Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 1420 The Watch Clicker Podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I feel like you jumped You jumped me a little bit there. Did I? Yeah, you came in like a hot. Yeah, you came in a little hot. You jumped me. No, I'm I wanted fine. it into my beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, yeah, I'm doing really well. The uh, Actually, that's not totally true. I've like pinched a nerve or something in my back, and so that's painful. Um, but you Is know, it the sex swing I got you guys? It was the sex swing. Yeah. yeah, I told you to start easy. It's a nerve pincher, amongst other things. Yeah. Uh, it's what it's called. <laughs> it's called the nerve, <laughs> the nerve pincher. Yeah. Uh, no, but but other than that, I mean, that's sort of like like benign physical discomfort. Uh, but yeah, just oh, good. Work is know, good. Everything consistent yeah. with your advanced age. Right. <laughs> <laughs> how how are you? Uh, good. It was a great weekend, right? So we're recording on Tuesday, the 15th, since the day after Valentine's Day and two days after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the best Super Bowl experiences I've had in a long time. The game was good. The halftime show was good. Mm-hmm. It was an awesome Super Bowl. And who saw that Super Bowl coming? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Not even those teams saw that Super Bowl coming. <laughs> It's just a really good game. It's a great know. game. It was competitive. It, unlike a lot of Super Bowls that we've had in the last decade that are very one-sided, it was competitive, great halftime show. I was pleased. So I had a great weekend. Hallelujah, man. Yeah. I think that that was, I think one of the reasons that was a fun Super Bowl is that there were no heroes, no villains, right? I mean, Matthew Stafford is obviously a guy that uh, people like. Even Who doesn't like him, though? He's never wronged anyone because he's played for the Detroit Lions. Right. <laughs> it's so fun to see him get his. He does look like Haley Joel Osment. I'm just going to throw that out there. A little bit, yeah. Uh, look up a picture of adult Haley Joel Osment. I'm talking about the kids from the kid from The Sixth Sense. Yep. Adult Haley Joel Osment, Matthew Stafford. Put them side by side. They are the same human. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Although I think Haley Joel Osment is like 5'6". Matt Stafford could be 5'6". We don't know. <laughs> And Cooper Cup looking all uh, Logan Paul. Yeah. That was annoying. Whatever. I, f- I decided that's so I, great. I decided I didn't like him after the Super Bowl. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> he's so... he. Oh, know, not he's Logan Paul. Best, Jake Paul. Best receiver in the league. Uh, you've got Aaron Donald's probably best football player in the world. Yeah. Matthew just, Stafford, who's just... Easy to like. And and the Bengals are great, too. I don't yeah. know. I, I think some people kind of tease Joe Burrow for being a little funny, but he's so good. And he's, what, 21? And he's a kid, yeah. and he seems like a nice kid, And too. he's making a ton of money. If I was making that kind of money at 21, I would also be wearing cashmere turtlenecks with Nike swoosh diamond necklaces. That, that's just a thing that I would be doing also. I'm thinking about getting one anyway. Yeah, it'll be fake, but it'll help me look cooler. So... Yeah, great. Great weekend. Yeah. And excited now to be drinking beer and talking watches. Yeah, so we're drinking a 10-barrel. We drink a lot of 10-barrel on this show. Because it's always rotating variety. Yeah. It's 10 bucks a six-pack. You just, you just can't go wrong. So we're drinking 10-barrel. This is called Cloud Mentality. It's a hazy IPA. Like all IPAs are these days. Yeah. <laughs> it says... If you could taste a sunset, it would taste like this. It's bursting with vivid flavors, top tropical fruit notes, 
and an epic aroma. Let's. I think I accept their analogy. Yeah, it's a hazy IPA. Is it a simile or is it an analogy? Hmm. So we're talking uh, about watches. Yeah. Probably. We'll get there. We're talking about watches today. Uh, and we're going to do a little bit of a roundup. We are. As we do, because there's been some fun stuff, some fun watches that have come out, some fun articles that caught one of our eyes or the other or both. Yeah. And I had one from a while ago that caught my eye. And I remember reading it a while ago and being excited about it. And turns out it was nothing to be excited about. So I want to kind of bring it back up to the up to the top of my mind, at least. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, why don't you get us started? Let, well, I, it's one that we both picked. Can we talk about the Oak and, Oak and Oscar appearance? Center stage. Center ice, maybe, is, a, is more appropriate. Ice, yeah. How about that? This is, this is one of the cooler product placement watches that I've ever seen for a whole lot of reasons. So if you don't know, uh, the men's, American men's curling team. The American men's curling team. That's a thing. And these guys, I love these guys because they look like... They they transition from bowling in the summer to <laughs> curling in the winter. Straight dad bod heroes. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, I think that curling is dominated by what? The Italians? I mean, not not me specifically. That's the concern here. So, Oaken Oscar. Oaken Oscar has... Their watch, their I think it's the twelve hour Humboldt mm-hmm. on the wrists of their. It's part of the kit. It's part of the curling team kit. It's a uniform. They have to wear it. They have to wear it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And you, you, I, I think I would expect that they're also they get those watches. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, do they buy them from Oaken Oscar? Uh, I'm not sure. My guess is that they get them. Yeah, like for freezies. So this is a special edition team Schuster. I don't know Schuster. Team Schuster, Schuster Humboldt is, is the the guy. Oh, he was the, the flag bearer. The he's main, been like the main fellow. He's, yeah, he's competed in the like the last twenty four Winter Olympics for the United States curling team. So this is a ten piece limited edition. I don't know if the other pieces that weren't issued to the team, or maybe they were all issued. I don't know if the if there are any other pieces or if anybody else could buy one um it's pretty neat you know this is the humboldt it's sort of a well-known watch at this point mm-hmm. 12 hour rotating bezel super clean sandwich style great watch i think will's reviewed a humboldt i think so when i saw the picture i was like is that will's picture wouldn't that be funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i know it's not will's picture and and what was exciting to, to me about this was it wasn't and it's it's kind of you know the the flavor of curling right that's not the centerpiece of the olympics so it was really cool that this kind of obscure olympic sport that gets an absurd amount of airtime also has watches provided by not a mega brand, not a sponsor of the Olympics, not a sponsor of the U.S. Olympics team. Watches that they're wearing. And it's a watch that we know and is not unobtainium. 
Yeah, it feels like I, I have like a little bit of ownership, even though I'm not an Okanosker owner. It's like this is a watch from our community on the national I, stage, yeah, or international. And, and stage. I could that means I could wear an Okanosker, and there's a reasonable chance I could also be an Olympic curler. <laughs> I got a lot of life left in me. I'll never be as cool as these guys, but it's just it's a cool, like very every man's very epitome of curling watch that they chose. Cause it'd be really easy for them to just, you know. I definitely just muted you on right accident. in the middle of my sentence. Really It'd be really easy for him to not give them watches. It'd be really easy for any of the other nine million sponsors to provide watches. But Okanoskar's like, hey, here's ten. This is what we can do. Yeah. Well, it's it's a cool thing. So, uh, cool thing, cool watch. Olympics are always special. Curling, you're right, gets a an odd amount of coverage. Curling and figure skating, I think, probably get the most coverage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't fully understand why. Yeah. It's like summer gymnastics. Like you watch more gymnastics than anything else during the summer games. It's always on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know about curling. I know with gymnastics, it feels like they're just competing the entire time. So I, ice skating is the same way. It's, it's on right now. It was on this morning. It was on today. It's always live. What is it? Stop it. <laughs> get, get me to ski crashes. So your so your favorite watch brand mm-hmm. released a new watch. Um, here, I want to say this was sort of announced in the last week, uh, but Timex, the the Q Timex mm-hmm. label released a new watch, and it, I, th- I think this one's kind of a doozy, man. It's something. It's something. I I don't I don't know how I feel about it yet. I I need. It might be an acquired taste for me. I might have to come back to it a few times, but I am excited about it. Yeah, this is, I would say this is more of an acquired taste than anything else in the Q-Line. So, so what are we going to call this? So this is the 19, Q-Timex 1972 reissue. This is a big, fat sort of tonneau, oval, yeah. cushion. I don't know, maybe not cushion, but like it's yeah, this it's big tonneau barrel. Barrel is good, yeah. Um, Sort of... Uh, um, hooded lugs it's just you know this big sort of ufo and it is notably gold toned and something that i full polish gold toned super dig about it floating markers so they sit yeah. above the dial but look at the shadow that's cast underneath the markers on those dial close-ups oh yeah that is really interesting I don't know if it's just... I mean, it looks like they're fully floating. Yeah, I and, think and like, they must like, connect like connect, on the... Connected to like what would be the, the chapter ring. Or if they're just cut out. But it's a cool... Some, like, like you really need to add any depth to this probably 15 and a half or greater thickness watch. But it adds a really cool depth to the dial. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, the whole watch is just a, a little bizarre. It's got to, first of all, just just to put it out there, the dial's beautiful. It's got this, you know, burgundy or red, I guess they're calling it ruby red dial. Uh, and, and the red on gold is always just a fantastic combo. And it looks really good here. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of this, this is such a weird watch. I, I mean, it's it looks to me... Like it's probably about 14 millimeters thick. I think it's probably more than that, man. I don't have any dimensions on here. Let's see. 
And you can't ever get dimensions from Timex Direct. You got to go to a right. review website <laughs> to find them. Uh, let's see. I'm on the Timex Direct website. Yeah, so 43 millimeters. Um, water resistant to 50 millimeters or 50 meters. That's good. 43 millimeters, 15 millimeter case height. Yeah. So kind of a cabamo, uh, kind of a cabamo watch. Yeah. 20 millimeter lugs, which I like. That's nice, but that's a good move for them. I think this is the most, for me, this is the most polarizing Q-Timex release yet. So it's, it's the first one they're taking a chance on for sure. Because everything else has been really attractive, really classic, almost, I mean, not exactly subtle, but uh, subtle-ish, understated maybe, or I don't know. There's a better word for that. Yeah, just subtle. I think yeah. that's a great word for it. This is this is not the opposite. It is of, not that. This is the opposite of subtle. <clears throat> well, cool. So I think that these are. Do you have a price on these? One sixty nine. Yeah, so one sixty nine. They've got a good. I, I think it's a Seiko cell in these, um, or a Seiko movement. Excuse yeah. me. Uh, yeah, this is this is cool. I like the case back. The case back is that sort of classic screw back. Uh, but it's got the mm-hmm. little battery portal. Yeah. And the strap looks like whatever. Buck was kind of neat. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. For 170 bucks. I think it's a little bit better than a medium, you know? Schmedium? Yeah. It's, it's warm. It's not hot, but it's warm. <laughs> Warmer than you'd want to touch. What do you got next? I got a sip of beer in my mouth. Mmm. I'm going to start with the thing that I that I saw and wanted to kind of circle back to. So last year, LVMH, which is the Moe Hennessy Louis Vuitton. Tag Heuer. Tag Heuer, Bulgari. Levamuff. Acquired. That's how you pronounce that. Levamuff. Yeah. Yeah. Acquired Tiffany. And I remember reading that and being like, oh, this could be, this opens a cool opportunity, I think, for like Tag Heuer and Bulgari and maybe even Tiffany to do some cool shit in the watch world. And then the only cool thing that has happened with the name Tiffany in it in the watch world is a blue watch that came out a month or so ago. Yeah, well, I don't think this, I don't think that this, um, so this is January 8th, 2021. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> is when this article is, and supposedly yeah. there was some problems with the acquisition. And oh, did they, it fall through? No, they fought about oh. it a little bit. So, um, yeah, this is interesting. So Zenith, yeah. obviously very, very. <laughs> I don't see uh, Zenith ever kind of dabbling in that but bulgari and tag hoyer seem like brands that would dabble in that yeah bulgari i i actually think of the three zenith is the best fit uh you know tiffany el primero you know or or whatever i don't think that either (coughs) tag or bulgari make a watch that is a really great fit for that right now i think a tiffany ladies aqua racer would be (laughs) just (laughs) fucking a a tiffany dial yeah monin case 
uh, Mon and Case 2000 or something. We got or something there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, that certainly seems to be a suggestion of what could happen. It, it's interesting. The article that you sent suggests that it might put some strain on the historical paddock relationship or even perhaps the Rolex relationship. You know, I, I would, you would have to think that that's, I would, nothing changes, not a real yeah. thing. Cause it's, I mean, it's still just a subsidiary, but I would think that that cousin relationship then would have allowed some access, like some, some mutually beneficial access between these other LVMH companies. And it just kind of, well, you know, these things take time, right? Like it takes a really long time to design a Tiffany blue paddock dial. It's not something that just happens overnight. No, I mean, the color's not stored on a palette somewhere. <laughs> Ooh, double entendre. A palette of Tiffany blue, but blue, the color palette. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it got better when I explained it, didn't it? it, it I don't think that's possible, but... <laughs> yeah, no, because it, it was awesome. It yeah, did it make was, sense after you explained it. Was it. A, it was a slower burn than... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this beer is good. It is good. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I remember reading that being excited like, and Tiffany's not ever going to be a, a staple in my world or even like maybe make an appearance in my world, but I just thought it'd be cool because I like cool shit and feeling a little let down. So anyway, as I was, as I was kind of just scrolling through stuff today, I remember seeing that as like, a I don't know. Had it just been like floating around and not new news, not new news, but, but new news to us. But we're going to circle back to it and and remind ourselves that this happened and nothing has changed. Yeah, and that's a bit of a bummer. We'll see. We'll see. There's still things that could come out of this. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always time, but I want it. I want it now. I kind of want you to sing that when you say it. Yeah. <laughs> What you got next? I got another watch that I that caught my eye uh, this last week. Okay. And, and it didn't catch my eye necessarily because I love the watch. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, because I do like the watch. It's a good watch. So this is a Zelos, uh, the new Spearfish. This new Spearfish from Zelos. So Zelos, obviously, super famous. One of the, you know... One of the older micro brands, I'd say, or at least mm-hmm. have been doing this for a very long time. Company out of Singapore. And they just make cool watches, right? These are, you know, I, I think Zelos uh, aesthetic is like kind of like blocky and angular and very tool watch. Kind of like, I'm going to kick your ass. Kind of like if Doxa had evolved since the. You know, their inception. Yeah. This is what I expect a modern Doxa would look like if they didn't just like settle on a design. Right. Or or perhaps if like uh, Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse was a watch. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those are really, <laughs> you don't even have to look up this watch. You know what we're talking about. So so they released a new Spearfish this week, and it's a, it's a lovely watch, as as these are. I'm not sure it's my style necessarily, but they're very good-looking watches. Uh, they're a little sort of upright, mm-hmm. as as is fitting of that, you know, really tool-like aesthetic. But look, I, I just sort of pulled the thing up, and I sort of slid through, and I'm looking at this watch, and I'm like, dude, everything on this watch looks better. Yeah. This all looks better. Uh, and and that's because it is. So this is a watch that's not super expensive. I mean, it's still in the, you know, what? 
You have a price? I think it's six hundred and fifty bucks. That's seen on I'll, this. I'm gonna look for it. So six forty five for regular type dials, seven hundred for forged carbon dial bezel. And the most interesting thing about these is that they come with the new ish La Jupere G100 movement, which yeah. is a new microbrand movement. Yes. And so I think that this is sort of been put out in the world to compete with higher end or not higher end but you know the entry level eta these established Salida, yeah. uh these swiss movements so the the article i read here suggests that this is a miota 9000 architecture watch that's been upgraded so the the rotor connection point is like one of these three screw bearings. Mm -hmm. So they've upgraded it. They've gone through and made this nice er than a Miona. I think it's got a 68 hour power reserve. So there's something that's been tweaked to get some more time out of it. The Miota is already a really consistent runner. Um, so you've started with good architecture and then they've just sort of upgraded it, probably to make it a little bit more accurate. And certainly to make it a more stable platform for a watch with those upgraded bearings and the longer power reserve. So, um, and it looks to me like what Elshon did with these is sort of, I'm going to make like a slightly nicer watch. And if you look at this thing, the uh, the design is similar to like, I don't know, the, the bracelet reminds me of a few bracelets from sort of yeah. higher end watches, mm -hmm. um, the chamfers and everything. It just looks really, really good. All the macros on this thing make the finishing look stellar. I mean, you can see the brushing, the the, the circular brushing in the bezel. All the lines are really clean, and the texture on the dial is just next level. Yeah, I. That's actually the one I fucking hate. I hate it too. Styles. I and it's not that I they're not pretty or they're not well done. It's just not my thing. That is not my thing at all. So I wish that there was like a black dial. Just, just give me a gray <laughs> dial. Give me a black. Give me a you know something that's gonna. Uh, but I would say if you're into it, if you're into that dial, and there's obviously nothing wrong if you are. This looks great. The clasp looks great. Um, I, I yeah. I think this is a cool, and for 645 bucks, it's not even crazy price. Sort of PVD loomed bezel. This is kind of a sick watch. I'm into it, and I like that it's using this G100 movement. Yeah, I think I think it's a kind of a, a risk-free move for them, too. They can use a cool movement that they know is going to have really good serviceability because this brand is not going to want any bad feedback on these new movements yeah i don't know if that's true i, I mean so so la jupere i think is owned by the same parent company mm -hmm. as miota uh, i think it's all they're all part of citizen group so it, obviously this is not a fly-by-night operation but i don't think there's very many of these out in the world so i'm curious about how serviceable this is i i bet they're gonna make it very available there's a full loom version of the a full loom dial it's called frost it's a white dial but full loomed that's dope look at that i'm pulling it up right now oh yeah that is really good looking and you know this is the typical oh yeah the the frost dial is the best yeah i've got some meteorite dials which yeah, if that's yeah. your thing 
Not mine, but it's, it's for somebody. It's a little sunbursty for me. Actually, they, the frost aisle is the one that is the least objectionable in that regard. So. And it's full loomed, which is cool. I Yeah, but the thing that intrigues me most about these is that bracelet. The finishing, and, and all the finishing. This looks like this is a really nice watch. Agreed. Surprisingly nice. Unexpectedly so, even. I got a couple things. I'm kind of tempted to reach out and see if they would, if they'd ship us out a review piece because we've spoken so highly of it. Well, maybe, maybe that's what we do. We say, Hey, Elshon, we said really nice things about your watch. Would you be willing to send us a review piece? And a one-off dial. (laughs) (laughs) A custom blue and orange dial. Yeah, that's doable. That's really easy. You can just paint it. I have fingernail polish. Problem solved. So I've got a, I I grabbed a couple articles that all kind of got me thinking about watch collecting and our hobby, as it were, and the, you know, how it leads to us being podcasters. And there are two of them are for Tello articles. And the last is a Hodinkee article. So the first one is, um, no money, no problem how I started collecting watches on a budget as a broke college student. Which is, I think, everyone's story into watches, right? (laughs) Not necessarily being a broke college student, but your emotional tolerance for dropping a a large amount of money on a watch really quickly increases. It's the first time you go buy a watch, you're like, I don't know, 500 bucks seems like an expensive watch. And then, you know, you spend... 500 bucks on a watch. You're like, yeah, but that $900 watch is kind of <laughs> like that. And then like suddenly you're spending increasingly, you're increasing sums of money on watches and not divesting these other watches that you have because you love them. You bought them for a reason. The reason I pulled this article is I thought it offered a, an interesting take into the world of watch collecting so what's the name of the article name of the article the name of the article no money no problem how i started collecting watches on a budget as a broke college student by ignacio conde garçon from fratello published february 10th in the year of our lord 2022 i'm seeing february 16th aka today i'm seeing the 10th so Interesting. Maybe that's telling me. Oh yeah, it, you're, it's, it's saying telling today, today is today. Is, today is the sixteenth. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> whatever. So whatever. What I thought was interesting about this was he took a, a, I think a unique trajectory into it, and went all vintage all the way. Like like yeah. really dis- deliberate hunting, really thorough research, found affordables that maybe or maybe weren't going to be serviceable, but that were at least working. And that was what started his collecting. So the first one he got, um, I think oh, you say Montine. Yeah. A, a 34 millimeter gold plated Montine of Switzerland with a buy it now price of 20 euros. Yeah, so so pounds. We, we should say yeah. uh, he, he the, this article he buys all these watches for these ridiculously low prices, which I'm sure involves a hunt. But yeah, he's buying these on eBay, Kleinenzeigen, which is like a German Craigslist. Yeah, 
and he's he's obviously putting in a lot of work. And this is several years ago. So that's the one thing about this article where I was like, these deals don't exist anywhere in the world today. They don't exist, but the the uh, the attitude the, the attitude is there of the, not all the hype is necessarily what you want. We all want the thing about that is all the hype because that's what we're told to want, and things get hype generally because they're cool. There's a lot of things that get hype not because they're cool because they get hype, but this was a I thought a cool. Just a good reminder article of the beginning of the hobby and what's exciting about watches and what's exciting about finding new watches and looking at stuff. It's that that journey of learning and finding the cool shit that nobody else knows about and nobody's going to recognize except maybe one other weird watch dude. Yeah. Yeah, when he goes through some great watches too. Yeah, the lineup was dope. They're interesting. They're definitely vintage, right? And all of them are vintage. Mm -hmm. But some of them are pretty cool. Is this really neat Tissot chronograph? I mean, some of these watches that he winds up going through are really very neat. This Omega TV dial that he picks up for like 60 euros. Yeah. Which is nuts. Um, And actually, there's this like sort of burgundy dial Timex, full polished gold tone Timex in the collection that is... Very similar to that new 1972 Q Timex, although I don't think this is a Q. I think that this is a mechanical. It's pre-Q, but yeah, it's cool as shit. I mean, what a that's a bold way to begin collecting. Yeah, but what a good way to begin collecting. I think Evan is kind of like that. Evan does a lot of vintage stuff, and yeah, he he's got so I Cortman on Instagram, one of our writers, Evan Cortman. Uh, he's got some modern pieces too so i think that he's never been exclusively vintage but no but he's written that i think three or four part series now on the website about gold watches and um he he's got a ton of this type of experience yes and he's like that guy's like taking apart movements nowadays yeah he's doing some some brave stuff yeah (laughs) i'm not this brave but, well, and I think I think if you're going to go down this route, you m- maybe naturally get pushed to that. Well, I bought this twenty dollar, yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, I can't do anything with it. Maybe I'll take it apart and because I like the way it looks. Yeah, let's see if I can pull the whatever is in the way of the movement out. Right, which <laughs> is now the movement. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, just a I, I'll and we'll link to the article. It was a quick read some cool watches to view and just a good perspective bringing article a good reminder article yeah i agree with that i agree with that you want to go through the rest of these or should i should i uh you you do me one next so uh i i think this may actually be my last article but uh or not article my last pick but uh, another watch that i found this week that is interesting I should say. Uh, But also, I kind of hate it. Okay. So, Formex launched Mm -hmm. a new line this week. So, Mm -hmm. Formex is, I think, a very cool brand. Uh, But they maybe make some controversial decisions or have. So, really, really cool, amazing watches. Formex released a pretty affordable, being like under $900, $800, I think, is what these go for. Field watch, mm-hmm. and it's uh, 
I've pulled up, I think, a monochrome article on this, and they say modern and accessible military field watch, the field automatic, which is an interesting way to describe this watch. Um, <laughs> Nine forty-five on a leather strap with carbon adjustable clasp, which is kind of weird. And I think that you can get it on nylon for you, like seven ninety-five. Yeah, eight hundred bucks on nylon, and then this fancy leather. So. This is a field watch. It's a field watch. It's got some interesting lines to it. It's the, got Formex lines. The case is very Formex. It's nice. I like it. Um, I thought that maybe it had sort of uh, like a uh, boulder style lugs. It does not. That was my first thought too. It was very boulder venture The font on the dial, it's a sandwich dial, and it's attractive sandwich dial. The font on the dial is like a stencil font, which... I think it's kind of contrived, but it's all right. Mm-hmm. What I hate about this watch, because I do hate this, is every single version has that really, really orange vintage loom. Yep. All of them have it. Even Hands, the purple one. Markers, <laughs> date wheel, everything. As if. As if these have been like just sitting in the sun for the last 40 years in consistent, even sunlight for 40 years, which clearly they haven't. Uh, I hate this. I hate that design decision because I think this is a salvageable watch without that. I think for me that ruins it because this is such a compelling watch to me. I I, I think it was... Because it's yellow. It's not the brown, fotinid. I think it was a, like a legibility decision. I think it's meant to look like flat, dark earth, brown, like tactical. Yeah, maybe. I, I think that's it. I'm not saying it's excusable. I'm just saying I think that's it. I think it's less fotina than it is uh, like a, a color palette choice. So let's talk about the good things. It's it's kind of big, forty one millimeters, which I think is maybe a little big for this watch. Yeah, um, but I'm sure it's great. Ten and ten point six, ten and a half high, which is nice. It's a forty seven ish lug to lug, so it'll wear really nice. Titanium grade two, whatever that means. Hundred and fifty meters water resistance, which I think is an excellent choice. Yeah, for a field watch, you're not going to come near that with most. Nice movement. It's got the Salita movement for. Mm-hmm. You know, under a thousand bucks, I like it. I, I think that's a good choice. The crown's good, design is good. The Timex or the Timex, the titanium looks great. The titanium looks really good. You know, my favorite part. Tell me the date window. It's a good date window. I don't mind this at all. So rather than your typical date window, which is just a square or circle cutout, they've made it almost as wide as you'd expect for. Uh, yesterday, today, tomorrow, date wheel visibility. But they've beveled it in. So you can only see today. But that bevel draws your eyes to it. Kind of makes the date seem more legible because you're not looking down through a little porthole at it. You're looking almost flush at the date wheel. Let's some extra light in there for legibility. I think that's a cool, a really cool date window. Yeah, I like it. And I very much like it. I mean, other than that, there's not a lot happening here, right? It's No, it's a Formex case made into a field watch. Syringe hands, they're nice. 
I'm sure that it's super well built for that price. Um, pretty affordable for four max, honestly. I, I I wish they would have gone a little bit smaller. Can we just get white loom? Yeah, just for the love of God. If if even only on the purple one, right? Right. Just redeem the purple watch with one thing. Yeah, it's particularly offensive on the purple. Yeah. So it's like it looks like a L.A. Lakers branded watch. <laughs> The other colors are good. We've got like a like a true black, kind of like a slaty black gray, a navy, a yucky purple, kind of a like a, like a coffee color. Yeah, and then like an olive drab. Yeah, like a the od that you'd expect. Yeah, kind of like a gray olive drab. That's a good lineup. I actually I, don't hate the purple. I do. I just wish they all had white loom. Maybe they can do one special for you. I don't think they will. There's no harm in asking. <laughs> but again... And the nylon's cool, too. I, I don't know what that <clears throat> nylon strap is, if it's stretchy. It looks like it would be stretchy, but it, it's a good-looking... It's interesting. It looks like it ought to be stretchy. I can't understand the uh, the $200 price difference I think for the it leather. must have I, to do with the <clears throat> clasp. I, I'm not finding any pictures of the clasp, but supposedly there's a special clasp. It... It looks like, I mean, it, it's a two-piece, or it's a one-piece clasp, obviously. But it looks like it maybe opens and ratchets down onto the leather. If you look at the color lineup, you can see yeah. the profile of them. But it's carbon, so... I, yeah, hard to say. It, it, <laughs> it looks like it must be a special, because the leather doesn't look like anything crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that is a pretty big price difference between the nylon and the leather. So I wish I could see the clasp better. Gots to know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get them to send us a review piece too. So yeah, we, we should can, do that. So we can trash the yellow loom. <laughs> Listen, we don't like the loom. Everything else is great. Send us one and we will say ninety nine percent nice things. So and these these are on what pre order now. These yeah. are on pre order now. Um and I think that they are set to deliver well I don't know. I don't it doesn't say, but they're pre-ordered in any event. So you can actually get one today. So yeah, that clasp thing, it's like a fine adjustment clasp. So it gives you a little bit of, of wiggle room, I guess. And it looks like pretty neat tech. Yeah, I mean, it's carbon. Carbon's cool. Like this watch is titanium and carbon. It's two of the coolest materials in watch manufacturing today. If you go to the website, they've got actually got like an uh, animation behind the, the mechanism, which... Oh, yeah. Cool. Good stuff. An exciting release from Formex. Who I, I'm generally kind of underwhelmed by. I know a lot, a lot of people really like them, and for good reason. None of their stuff does it for me. This doesn't even do it for me. I just say nice things about it. Yeah, I don't think uh, this was an extremely popular release. Around the editorial board, mm -hmm. um, mostly because of the things that that we mentioned. Uh, I think Mike liked them. Makes sense. Mike likes Formex, though. Yeah, um, I like them. I just wish that that loom is a that loom kills it for me. Um, yeah, so I felt like I was going somewhere with that thought, but it's drifted <laughs> it's, away from me. It's gone down the down the river, as it were. <laughs> So, 
you have got one article left and I've got two. I'm going to do mine together. Do them together. Do it live. First article, Fratello from Dave Sargent, February 13th, 2022. Starting out, how collecting microbrands allowed me to experiment and explore. And Fratello's doing kind of a cool um, week, like a collector's week. Yeah. They've got pictures up with like a little green stamp on them that are all people collecting watches and kind of stories about their journey. So worth worth looking at those because there's a few a few good reads in there. And it feels sort of count the, the whole <laughs> series feels sort of counterculture to me too. As you know, you know, as much as watch collecting can be counterculture. Well it's almost counter watch culture. It's yeah. very like it's at least for me, it's all been the the articles that I've read were very much how to be deliberate in your collecting why people are choosing to be deliberate in their collecting, why people are choosing to go away from the uh, the hot, cool shit. And I don't know, it was just the, the, the articles that I've read spoke to me. I haven't, I haven't read a bad one yet or one that I didn't agree with or at least take something from. Uh, so starting out, how collecting micro, micro brands allowed me to experiment and explore. And I'm going to partner this with a Hodinkee article from the 14th by Danny Milton, entitled The Eight, Well, Nine, If You're Lucky, Stages of a Relationship with a Watch. Oh, Danny Milton. And and I think it's appropriate because when we're talking about experimenting, we're also talking about feeling out your tastes in watches. And so the this article goes into, uh, the first article, uh, Dave Sargent's article, um, talks about how he went about choosing micro brands. And I think one of the points that he makes and is exceedingly important for people who are choosing to exist in the affordable micro brand, independent brand world is that they are not all equal. It's all paragraph. Not all micro brands are created equally. And I think that's a really important thing to bear in mind when we dabble in in new brands which is not to say we need to avoid new brands but it is to say that a lot of new brands try to ride the coattails of the brands that have come before them charge the same price for a significantly lower quality product because we're all used to paying five to eight hundred dollars for a micro brand watch so he goes into his article talking about sampling micro brands finding the things he likes finding the finding the things he doesn't like and i liked it I think that's what micro brands are all about. Sampling the world around you, finding designers you like, finding new things that you like, finding watches you like, and being able to afford them. Yeah, he makes a, he makes an interesting point in this article. He says something about um, design boards, right? So, mm-hmm. you, you know, major brands are designing by committee, mm-hmm. uh, literally, probably in, in most instances. But most of these... Microbrands are being designed by one person, maybe two, or perhaps <laughs> two, and um, the best of them make decisions, and and so you're getting this sort of unadulterated set of design decisions, which, for mm. better or worse, sometimes it's much worse. <laughs> you know, it is different almost always. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you, there are obviously the. You know, I'm making an homage watch, clearly making an homage watch. And that's maybe a different conversation. But in terms of folks, you, you know, like Hame Watch Company, 
for yep. instance, yep. this guy's making weird watches and they're, and they're cool mm-hmm. and they're attractive. And you know, if, if people say, yeah, I don't know if that's for me, you've made something interesting. If someone's going to look at your watch and be like, what the fuck? That mm-hmm. means it's interesting. You know, do you woo a guy we had on, uh, uh right. One a, of them. a number of years. He, he's making this Chinese, very Chinese, like deliberately Chinese, uh, adventuring dialed micro rotor dress watch. And it's like, what even is this? And people would message us and be like, what is that? And, and I don't think, you know, either one of us made fun of it, but you know, there's like no. We even made we didn't make fun of it, but in not in a not in a negative way. It's like you're doing too many cool things here, right? Like you, <laughs> like choose one of these cool things that nobody does in the space and do that cool thing. And that's the best thing about these yeah. micro brands, right? Is it, and and I think Danny does a good job of sort of saying you're getting these really sort of unique, interesting, fun mm-hmm. designs. And so you've got to take the small brand, the small brand aspects of the micro brand reality with that watch but it's you know it's something that's going to be cool and different yes and i've never been disappointed by any micro watch that i've ever had and had on the wrist in the review like or in for review or just flat out disappointed never once could be just because it feels like christmas but right i've got a new watch um so with that, the eight, well, nine, if you're lucky, stages of a relationship with a watch. Danny Milton. I'm just oh, yeah. going to oh, read oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I attributed oh, yeah. a statement to Danny Milton. That's actually Dave Sargent. Yeah. I was so, moving so, too quickly. I'm sorry. He calls us, calls stage one, the infatuation. Two, the hunt. Three, the acquisition. Four, the honeymoon period. Five, general ownership. Six, detachment. Seven, the wandering eye. Eight, the breakup. And number nine, if you're lucky, the outlier. I added the if you're lucky, but there's two asterisks that indicate the if you're lucky part. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's made some assumptions that, that most people collect like him, and I think those yes. assumptions are not wrong. Because I do think most people collect like him, but this article definitely did not. Steps one through like six connected with me. Five for me. One through five. (laughs) Like I don't fall out of love with watches and I don't sell watches for exactly that reason. Exactly. And that was, so uh, when I was reading this article, like it kind of struck a a nerve for me because he he hit one through five right on the head. I'm like, yeah, that's it. I love that. This is is why I do it. But then when we get to to six, I'm like, wait a second, what, what? Why did I go through one through five to get to, nah, right? And then divestment and like, <clears throat> and that I don't know. It it doesn't bug me because I understand that people. Maybe no, it bugs me. It it bugs Andrew. I don't think there's a problem with it, but the thought of acquiring and sending away watches irks me. Like it it makes me physically uncomfortable to think about falling in love with a watch, buying it, and then eventually selling it. I can't, I just, I can't manage it. I know that that's a really common thing. I mean. Yeah, I think actually it kind of makes us weirdos that we don't do that. It, it's it's odd that both of us are the same in that regard too. We're like polymonogamous. <laughs> uh, because I think statistically speaking, it would be unlikely that 
we're both sort of that get it and set it and forget it type of collector. But um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I I thought the article was clever. I thought it was insightful, if maybe a little obvious. Uh, I think he missed some opportunities to be funny. Yeah, but it tracks. It tracks. Yeah, it was like almost a little too literal. It was like, okay, yeah, this is actually what happens to people. Yeah. But I mean, it was. A, I think it, it it helped me understand the revolving door that people get into in their in their watch acquisition process. Because I think if I was buying watches, totally okay with the fact that I would be parting with it days, weeks, months later, I would have a lot more watches because I can't sell watches. Um, yeah, <laughs> but. I, I I'm just not comfortable with that. Yeah, it just doesn't. I don't. I don't. I don't even like taking things to goodwill. Right. I might. <laughs> I might want that again, and that, maybe that's just a character flaw. But you know, I, don't, I, I just fall so deeply in love with a watch. I think it must be a little bit like. Um, I, I think there must be some switch that happens. So people start selling watches, and they realize how doable it is, and they and and they get into it's like a habit forming thing. Mm. So one of my watch friends, local, local guy here actually. So, so an IRL friend even, um, is a fellow that I met a year and a half ago and we hit it off cause he's in the watches. I'm in watches, you know, and he's had like really great watches come through. He's pretty regularly acquiring and selling watches. And he picked up, I don't, not a month ago, this Tudor GMT. Oh. And it's great. Yeah. And <laughs> it feels, I don't know the exact time frame, but it felt like it was no more than like two weeks later that he's like, so turns out I'm not a one watch guy. And he sold it. And then today I think he's got an Oris Aquas in, in, in. So to, to acquire multiple or like, I don't know. Well, how- I, I think, I think the sale of the Tudor um, GMT, I think he was able to, probably open up some some doors some holes in the watch box as it were uh both financially and and in terms of space so you, you know i'm curious to see what he gets because it's sort of like co- collecting vicariously through someone uh, but I, you, you know there's this thing that happens i think where you just get more comfortable with the idea of catch and release uh and and not to characterize that for better or worse but Something that's bummed me out, and I'm, I'm simultaneously very excited, is that Clay is uh, doing a year-long monogamy test. <laughs> yeah, and because I, Clay and I had really similar taste in watches, and I got to enjoy watches through the pictures that he took of his what's felt like daily acquisitions. I know that they, they weren't that often, Clay, and I'm not trying to like push you off the wagon here. But I kind of missed that because I'm like, oh, I like that watch. I like that watch. I, I wouldn't buy it because I would never be able to part with it. But I like that watch. Thanks for getting it. Yeah. Thanks for posting a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you, so I feel like I got to enjoy this watch with you. Yeah, Clay is another one where he's like, this is, I, I bought this watch and this is a keeper. And then like today, not like three weeks later, it's up for sale. So, you know, he's I, not doing that now, though, and he's doing really good. He's on day, I know, what are we on, 31, Let's 15. support him. 46 days. <laughs> Look at him go. Yeah, I mean, that's actually kind of incredible. Yeah. It's been a long time since I wore the same watch for 46 days. <laughs> and you're doing great. 
and you're doing great. So I think actually that's the you, full run of my stuff. You had one more, at least that you sent to me. Oh yeah, made in. Oh yeah, glass yeah, yeah, yeah. glass shit. Glass shit is how you pronounce that. So uh, Germany's Glashuta, which is sort of the so, capital of German watchmaking has uh, required that they've passed a law requiring a certain amount of uh, bona fides if you're going to say we're a glashuta made watch. That's a big move. And I don't know if this was a problem. I assume that there were some problem. I also assume that this is something that's incredibly political. Mm Mm-hmm. And is probably being propped up by some group of Glashuta-based lobbyists. Who are trying to increase the legitimacy and allure of Glashute watches. Yeah. It, to it, some degree. It They're, feels to me yeah. like it's probably gatekeeping, but that may be cynical. Of course, that's the whole point of the made-in <laughs> wherever. It's gatekeeping. You can't make all your shit in China, assemble it in China... And then, like, give it a kiss in Germany and say it was made in Germany. <laughs> and so, this is... So, so the Glashuta rule uh, requires 50% of a timepiece's value to be created in Glashuta. Uh, and ha- they have to have been around since 1906. That's dog shit. <laughs> uh, That's gatekeeping. So, uh, you no know... More. <laughs> to the extent that there's any pl- plausible deniability on the gatekeeping. Uh, Do you think that they'll accept zombie brands? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, it's interesting to me. Th- this is kind of a nothing burger. It doesn't affect the way I collect watches or even think about watches. Uh, you, you know, it doesn't say made in Switzerland. I don't buy it. There, <laughs> there are some um, Glashuta-based watches that I might be interested in acquiring at some future date. Not that I can even think of any right now. Just saying. Just saying. They're out there. This felt like kind of a funny thing. Yeah. 1906. What is an arbitrary? 1906. Hey, man, when were you around? 05? All right. Well, we're going to... Okay. You're good. You're good. 09? You're good. Sorry. You're out. (laughs) 1910? What do you call that? Fucking kids these days. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, obviously there's some point of demarcation there. I don't know what it is. Uh, obviously, that's an important day for someone. But, yeah, so for probably three someones who are going to be the primary <laughs> beneficiaries of the stamp. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you're right. I did have one more. But now I am truly, truly retiring. And that's it. Watch so, us for the evening unless you have something else. No, I mean, for this, this is this is it for us. This is our farewell roundup episode we're retired (laughs) until next week yeah until i mean we take hiatus every week andrew other things what do you got i'm gonna cheat i'm gonna double other thing so first other thing i we got our 23 and me results back this week right this is a follow-up yeah we i talked about this at about christmas so about six weeks ago that's when i talked about this call back and we got our results back and it has been a fun exercise in like, oh, well, these are the things that my family says about my family. But this is what science supports, which means someone was a liar 
And why did everyone cling so tightly to that lie? Largely, my genetics are exactly what the the family, like the oral history of my family has been. There's some some differences which are kind of explained by genetic migrations and then like the anecdotal migrations in recent generations. But generally, it's it's on. But it, it's been cool to look at... Transylvanian. Yeah, obviously. Very clearly. Uh, but it's just, it's been a cool eye-opening thing to look at just that something something that you can never really uh make tangible it's like oh you know great grandpa said this about the family and said this and that and the other thing and now it's very tangible and it's just a cool a cool look back at where you came from uh, my wife has really enjoyed it and one of the cool features is you can opt into like connecting to um people you're related to and you don't have to opt in, but you can opt in. And it builds this map that you can zoom in and out of. And everyone you're related to, like down to 1% shared genetic material, shows up on this little map where they How are. many people is this? I have 1,500 people in mine down to 1% genetic similarities. So like people who we, have, we share like a five greats grandparent. It, are there any like, do, like any famous people? Are you related to like Alexander Hamilton and I have an ancestor in common? Nice. And Marie Antoinette and I have an ancestor in common. Nice. Most white people have an ancestor in common with Marie Antoinette, <laughs> and <laughs> m- most European men have a ancestor in common with Alexander Hamilton. But I will hold to those things. Uh, yeah, it was just it was interesting to see like your genetic predisposition to certain things. Like I have uh, two genetic markers that suggest that I am unlikely to part with things that no longer have any use. Which really, uh, yeah, that um, I hit the nail right on the head. Uh, although two things that really bugged me, I only have a thirteen percent chance of going bald, and about a twenty percent chance of having thinning hair. So you won the lottery. I double won the lottery because I am both of those things. I, the, the hair density on my head is is it's unpleasant. I find it pleasant. I'm yeah. I'm glad with your luscious locks looking at me and God. <laughs> so it's a fun thing if you haven't done it. Uh, I mean, I know there's some discomfort with like giving your genetic material to some company to be analyzed and like they're not the government. So I don't know. I was kind of like not anxious, but hesitant to. And then I was like, oh, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. I spit on the ground. Like if right. people wanted my DNA, they'd have it by now. And why would they want to clone me? I'm like, I have a terrible chance of going bald yet. I'm going bald. Like I'm not, I'm not who they're looking for. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe, maybe they are looking for you. That's not a, it's not a desirable trait. <clears throat> my real other thing. We don't want no ground spitters. No. My real other thing in Arizona, and I'm going to call her an amateur archaeologist because she is an amateur archaeologist. An Arizona amateur archaeologist found artifacts linked to Coronado's 15, 1540 expedition into the southwestern, what is now United States. And she found these artifacts. And what in in the way they are laid out in what is probably the first 
and farthest west colony in the United States by Europeans. And it's super fucking cool. There's a lot of bad stuff tied to that, right? I'm not saying that that, that, that conquest and that conquistadors are good people. What I am saying is that history is very cool. And finding <laughs> a archaeological site of this magnitude is huge. Europeans in New Mexico in the 16th century. Yes. Shit was probably not great. No. Well, so they, she, uh, she, the Coronado led this huge armed expedition of, uh, like Mexican tribes with his own conquistador army, presumably to conquest and look for treasure. It was just a bunch, like, fuck it, whatever. But she's found all manner of sword tips and chain mail, and she says she found a bronze wall gun, which is three feet long and weighs about 40 pounds on the floor of one of the structures. So it's a cannon, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, a small a, a small can. A can the kind of can that you you'd carry with you on campaign, not dragging that bitch. A cruiser weapon. Yes. It is cool. And there's obviously a lot more to come out. There was one very funny part of this article that said the independent researcher revealed her find on January 29th to a sold out lecture. To more than 100 people. <laughs> she sold all of them tickets. She, she sold every set, seat in that living set room. the bar high. She's obviously not saying exactly where it is. She kind of gave a vague general idea of where it is. Which yeah, is, so there's some controversy, right? Because the, the find sort of changes the historical... Yes, narrative regarding the conquest, the path of the... Or not the conquest, well, it the was always the expedition. Generally unknown but mostly agreed on and her theories kind of doesn't throw it on its head but takes a takes a left turn and is very cool yeah yeah I'm, no it's okay i'm it was, excited it archaeological discoveries archaeological discoveries in the inhabited united states are is an impressive enough feat never mind that it's from the 16th century yeah yeah, yeah. Pretty, yeah, pretty pretty good stuff. Yeah. That was a fun article. And it was fun to see that there's, you know, this is like this kind of stuff happens all the time. But it was fun to to read about it kind of happening in real time. And in the United States and to a sold out crowd of 100 people. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they include that line? This is like just such a weird dig. There, there was two parts to that sentence. Only one part was necessary. <laughs> Sold out crowd. To a crowd of 100 people. To a sold out crowd. Take your pick, but not both. Sold out crowd of her entire extended family. It really, it's just the research team. <laughs> they all had to pay <laughs> to get tickets to sell it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, good stuff. Yeah. So we'll link to it. It's just, a, I mean, Whatever. take it or leave it. It's an interesting article and a cool find. Agreed. Yeah. I got another thing this week. It's a movie. Do me. It's a movie. Um, I am blanking on what streaming service this is on. So let's take a look here. I have right it pulled quick. up on Rotten Tomato. Yeah, but it's streaming, I think, on Netflix. Well, shoot. See if you can find that. So HBO Max. HBO Max. It's streaming on HBO Max. Okay. So this is a movie with, this is a movie with Zoe Kravitz, who's, I think, really, really great. And aging in reverse. It's got, yes, it's got Rita Wilson in it. 
Um, it also has the actor, I'm blanking on his name, um, but the guy who plays Buzz, Devin Rattray, the guy who plays Buzz, Buzz in Home Alone. His name is Kevin, which is funny. But this is a, a movie called Kimmy. It's about 90 minutes. And that is the reason that I'd like to talk about it today, because this was not a comedy. It was a serious sort of, I would say this is a Hitchcock-inspired movie. In fact, perhaps I read one review that called it a love letter to Hitchcock, and I think that was super apt, because the whole entire movie feels very Hitchcock. The way it's paced, the characters, um... The scenes, the amount of cast that's involved, the way the cast interacts with each other and the distance by which they interact with each other. Very Hitchcock. And in 90 minutes, you have just enough time to tell an intricate and complicated and emotionally impactful story and not to fucking get over the top with twists and turns and complex narratives and CGI and <clears throat> so this movie has I think a 90% on the standard rot Rotten Tomatoes ratings which is exceptionally good and a 53 on the audience score and a 53 on the audience score so after watching this so I looked at that and I thought well that's interesting mm -hmm. I'm gonna watch it and try to and, and and then maybe after the fact try to analyze it I'm kind of stumped because it was well acted the action was good. There are a few scenes that are bordering on ridiculous. In particular, the finale, while very satisfying, is a bit ridiculous. Uh, but it wasn't offensively ridiculous. And it was fun and well done and quick. Quick in a good way. Um, <laughs> I, I really like this movie, so I'm not completely clear on the low audience rating. It was fun... Um, maybe not as complex as some people might want. That's kind of what it seems like, just skimming through some of the reviews. And I, I think we're seeing a little bit of a resurgence in this. I just watched a Jake Gyllenhaal movie that was also like that was very much single character. There was like, I forget what it was called. It's like 911 or something like that. But it, it felt very hearkening back to the, like the OG thriller movies. Yeah. It, was, it was like a play. With that just, is that yeah. is right. Yes, and we're, we've seen a couple movies like that. The plays adapted, sort of, to be put into movies and TV shows. I like it. I'm down with that. Yeah. Yeah, but right. You want Michael Bay. Uh, yeah, and, and that is not here in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it does have some sort of commentary regarding, like, data collection and Alexa, but it wasn't... The day, the the commentary wasn't. It's not like uh, don't look up, right? Where it's <laughs> sort of feels misguided and a little bit like heavy handed. This was very light social commentary about what might happen, but it doesn't feel like a warning. Yeah. It's just like this is a fun movie. This is science fiction, perhaps that's comes you know mm -hmm. you know a little close to home. Um, yeah, it was great. I loved it. I want more 90-minute movies. That's what that's what it made me feel like. I want more 90-minute movies. Yeah, it's tiring to sit down at 8 o'clock and try to watch a two-and-a-half-hour movie. And if you haven't watched it, watch Kimmy. Zoe Kravitz is fantastic. She's really good in it. Uh, the soundtrack is great. It's, like, weird. 
It's like the soundtrack is weird. And then I was like, but I really like it. It's hmm. sort of like 1960s, 1970s whimsical thriller music, which okay. it, I don't know if it's, it's a made up genre, be. but yeah. 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 Perhaps. <laughs> right. Anyway, great movie. Kimmy, I suggest you watch it. I'm going to. And I suggest you, you watch it too. You should. <laughs> Andrew doesn't know that yet. I haven't watched it, but my assumption is that it will be 90 minutes not poorly spent. It will be 90 minutes for sure. <laughs> it's actually 89 minutes. <laughs> Andrew, you got anything else? I'm a lot of things. Well, hey, thanks you guys for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. If you want, you can check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. Also, Watch Clicker at Watch Clicker. Please check out our website, watchclicker.com. Uh, weekly articles, reviews, and the goods. The goods go on the on the website. Uh, we want to thank Notice Watches for supporting this episode of 40 and 20. If you go to the Notice Watches website right now, anything you buy, you can get a 10% discount by using the code CLICKER at checkout. Thanks, Notice. If you want to otherwise support us, you can do that on patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's how we afford all these wonderful microphones. And the covers so you don't have to feel the spit. And this great board and all our software and hosting and everything. So if you do support us already, we thank you so much. And if you don't, check us out. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.